Well, good morning and welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you for being part of today. It's, uh, it's terrific to see you guys. And I'm so glad you came um, um, this morning. And someone would prefer me just to not even talk at all as they keep going talking back there. If that's a good thing. No, so, no that's great. I, lo- I, lo- I love to have a place like this where people are friendly and open and, and getting to know each other. Um, one of the things I love about the, the new program on the back, and Len mentioned it, is the story that's there. Um, found a home to grow, and, and we would like to be doing this quite often. And uh, I love stories because stories reveal what God is doing in actual real lives. It doesn't become theoretical, it becomes real. And this morning we're going to spend a few minutes and we're going to be talking about um, a story. And I would hope that that story uh, touches your life and becomes part of your story as well. Let's take a second and pray, okay, can we? So Lord, thank you now for this moment. And this time that we've had, and God, we've been able to worship you and really just simply say you are God, and now be God of our lives and be God of this moment, in Jesus' name we ask, amen. What we're going to be looking at is in the Bible book of Joshua, chapter 2, and if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. If not, please go home and, and read the whole story, as it is, it is just a terrific uh, account of what is going on. But because of we need to kind of get the flow and the feel and what happened, I'm going to be doing a little bit more reading this time, but we'll, we'll flash it up on the screen for you. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. Now, the book of Joshua, I have to kind of do a little bit of a background for you. The book of Joshua is a historical account of Israel crossing over the Jordan River, taking the promised land. Israel here, if you want to take a look at a map, Israel's right there, camped there in that blue session, section, and they're on the east side of the Jordan, and they want to cross over to the west side of the Jordan and pretty much take over all of this land. God had said this is the, and here's where we get the term, the promised land. God said, I'm going to give you this promised land. You're going to, after wandering 40 years in the wilderness, you're going to go in and you're going to take possession of it. Now, there's a couple obstacles in the way, and the obstacles are the fortified cities that are planted throughout. They are there. They are people that are living in the land, and they will defend it because it, they own it, and that's what they, they, they want to stay in that spot. Now, now, there's more to it than all of this, but, but this is really good enough for now. There's a one particular place that they need to get to, and that is to, to fight through Jericho, and that was mentioned in the passage we just read. Jericho is their first objective. They have to get into the land, and if you want to get into the land, you have to pass through Jericho, and Jericho is right there, heavily fortified military city. It's all, it's all, it's all right, right there. So Joshua is going to send out a recon team. I like to say recon team. You know, it just sounds cool, doesn't it? He likes to send out, he's going to send out a recon team to check out the land, especially around Jericho, because Jericho is, again, the big bad city. You want to enter the land, you have to go through Jericho, and they got to take out that city first. Got it? Okay, and this is the situation going on. It says, so the two men set out and came to the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now the conflict's going to happen. (coughs) But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yeah, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. 
And then it says, actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. It's a pretty good story so far, isn't it? I mean, you can make a movie out of, out, of, out of this one. It's got all the stuff that you would want. It's got espionage. It's got a prostitute. It's got lies. It's got danger. It's got a narrow escape. You know, all this kind of stuff that you'd want to see in a good movie. And it's written that way on purpose because not only did it really happen that way, but it's trying to draw us in. And, and however, I've got to say something about this because almost there needs to be a time out here because you've got to say, wait a second, it's kind of taking us down a little bit of a rabbit trail here. I mean, the whole purpose of, of Joshua is for us to conquer the entire land, for us to understand how God has given them the promised land. And, and really, for a big historical account, we really don't need a story about Rahab, about one woman. It's pretty much a general story, and they're going to talk about great land masses and great troop movements why are we now all of a sudden focusing upon this one person? In fact, who would even care about Rahab, by the way? She should be a little minor character, and if you were giving a bedtime story to your kids, it wouldn't work out very well because she's like the anti-hero. First of all, she's not an Israelite. She's a Gentile. And being a Gentile, she would be considered unclean to the Israelites. They didn't like Gentiles, and Gentiles didn't like them. Second of all, she's a woman. And women are never heroes in stories back then. Being a hero is man's work, so not a woman in this regard. Number three, she's a Canaanite, and that's the worst form of a Gentile, is being a Canaanite. I mean, there were Egyptian, they were Egyptian Gentile, others, Canaanite is like the worst. Number four, she's an Amorite, and that's the worst form of a Canaanite. They were a bloody, barbaric, just nasty, vile people. And number five... Um, she's a prostitute. Yes, she has sex for money. That's what she does. So who in the world cares about, and who in the world cares for a person like this? I mean, what, what in the world is she even in the story for? She's a person you kind of want to stay away from. So Rahab is on the roof with the spies, and she says this, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I've helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you'll let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and, the, and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. A few years back, there was a, a, a TV show. TV series, it was called Heroes. Any of you remember Heroes? Any of you remember that? Yeah, some of you, you do, yeah. Um, and, and it lasted a couple seasons, and, and, and there was a line, and this was the kind of the lead-up to watch the whole series, you know, and they'd always say, save the cheerleader, save the world, you know, do you remember that? Save the cheerleader, save the world, and it caught our interest, my kids and I, you know, it's like, ooh, this sounds like, like pretty cool, and they save the cheerleader, they save the world, and of course, there was a cheerleader in, in the show, and, and these people were trying to kill her, and she had, I don't know, special powers, something like that, and, 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 and so what the good guys did is they ended up saving the cheerleader. But it really didn't change anything, you know? It was a lousy plot. In fact, the thing just died after a, a couple seasons, you know? They saved the cheerleader, but, but nothing really, really happened. Saving the cheerleader didn't save the world. It was like, it was like a waste of time. Um, save the cheerleader, what? Not nothing. 
And so when you think about this story, save the prostitute, save what? You know, save the prostitute, save what? What, what good does this do in the movement of, of the story? In fact, the whole story is kind of dumb. Joshua said, we want you to go spy out the entire land. And where'd they go? They went to Jericho. They went like five miles. In fact, they didn't even need to go inside Jericho. You realize that? Because we're going to look at it in a couple of weeks. The whole way to take Jericho was to walk around the outside of the walls. They didn't need to go inside to figure out what was going inside. It's kind of a, like a, a, a waste of time for them. It doesn't change anything. And how can I say this? Because as I, as I read this, this little quirky aside may be one of the most important parts of the whole book of Joshua right here. It may be the most central part because it tells me everything about God and it tells me about God's heart and God's plan. It tells me about me and, and what I can do in my life. So what we have to do is we have to now move ourselves back into the story and put ourselves on the roof of, as the prostitute is talking to the spies. It says this, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And in my Bible, I have underlined that last sentence. And go home and underline that in your Bible as well. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. It's a pretty cool statement coming from a prostitute, isn't it? It's quite a confession of faith coming from somebody you know, like that. She says earlier, I have, I have heard how God made a path through the sea when you left Egypt. That was 40 years before. She probably wasn't even born yet. So she heard the stories, and as she was hearing the stories that were circling around, she said, there's got to be more in life than the God that we've got here. And she heard the stories of, of how God let them beat up the two Amorite kings and something's going on in her life. And she began to look at her gods and she began to think, there's got to be something more. The Amorite god was God Dagon and he was kind of a quirky little guy. And Dagon, their god, preferred human sacrifices and they wanted people to burn their babies alive in order to make him happy. In fact, the walls of Jericho, buried in the foundation, were live children they would put there and sacrifice to Dagon to keep him protecting their city walls. You see how this thing is going to kind of play itself out? And Rahab said, no, there's got to be something more. The Bible says this, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and then he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, some seeds were scattered and some seeds were planted in her life. And she said, you know what? I believe God exists, something greater than this thing here. And I want to sincerely seek after him. 
So, so she says, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. There's a couple words in Hebrew for the, for, for the word prostitute, a couple terms that, that you could find in, in the Bible. And one is for the temple prostitute. And temple prostitute, if you could say, would be a higher class prostitute. Sometimes you would say an escort or a call girl today, the temple prostitute. The other word for prostitute is for your common everyday street whore. Rahab is a street whore, the lowest of the low. And when you think about it, again, Jericho's walls were going to fall down. Why did the spies even need to go into the city? They didn't need to go inside. They needed to go into the city because there's a street woman who was looking around at her life and said, there has to be more, and I want what the true God can give me. And so what God did is he set a situation up so that these guys would be able to come here and listen to her faith. There's a great line in that old film, Casablanca. I know most of you have seen that one. Remember Humphrey Bogart, Inger Bourbon, you know, that classic one. And there's a, there's, a, there's a terrific statement he makes. It's famous. He says, out of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, and what? She walks into mine. And you could say this, well of, out of the, well, out of all the brothels in all the cities in all of Canaan, they walk into hers. See the hand of God in this? See the power of God? Please see it in yours. Blast from the past happened kind of for me last night. Um, God walked into the service and... Um, he happened to be a guy that I have not seen in 30 years. He was the church we were at in Florida, South Florida. We were there for, for a few years, and, and all of a sudden he just unannounced, you know, just kind of showed up, you know, and gave me a big hug. And, you know, he hadn't changed much. And, of course, I look exactly the same as I did 30 years ago. So <clears throat> we had we a great reunion. And, and he was a fun guy. We, we, we had um, some, some, some good times in Florida. And as we were walking out after the – we had him over to our house afterwards, and we were walking out to the service – after the service to our cars – he said, man, Paul, after 30 years, you finally figured out how to speak, you know. <laughs> we have that kind of relationship. I said, no, Ted, after 30 years, you finally figured out how to listen. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we talked uh, a lot and, uh, about what's life done for him and for us and, and, and all of that. He sent me a text, and um, the text was, um, Paul, I want to thank you and Lisa for 30 years ago for spreading seeds into my life. You never know where those seeds land and what they begin to do. So keep spreading seeds. Isn't that cool? And all of a sudden, seeds were being spread, believe it or not, to Rahab the prostitute. And the thing with seeds is, is what do you do with them when they're landing in your life? And I believe where you are in your faith journey, no matter where you are, God's continually putting seeds out there for you. And for some of you, it is, I've never even trusted in this faith thing. And there are seeds now being scattered, being scattered. And what are you going to do with them? Now, you can be pretty sure that the people were pretty confident in their walls. You know that? They were pretty confident in their walls. They had big walls. And I don't want to get too symbolic here. Um, um, but, but again, there were strong walls that they could have said, we are dependent upon this. Jericho was a military town. Military town needed to be fortified. It needed to be fortified with big, thick, heavy, high walls. 
so they needed extra thick walls. And it says that her house was built into the wall. It was that big that there were even houses in the walls. And I don't want to get too symbolic, but maybe she was thinking, you know what, these walls that are here, you know, all around me, well, they, they can kind of symbolize my, my life. And they are strong and they are secure. And I live in these walls. These are my walls, you know, and I like my walls. I trust these walls. Um, and if I got to go with God, I got to give up my walls. I got to give up my walls of my life. I want you to realize that when Rahab hid the spies, her life wasn't worth a dime. You realize that? You know what she was doing at the time. She lied to the king. She was harboring spies. She sent spies away with information. I mean, she had to, at that point in time, make a call on where her life was going to go. That was the moment where she had to say, I can't trust these walls anymore. I can't trust the old life I've built. This God that I am kind of pursuing has something entirely different for me. Now we've got to finish the story. It says, before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we've taken. Only if you follow these instructions. We will come into the land. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging down from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If you betray us, however, we're not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. And if I can finish the story, a couple weeks later, this happened. It's the Battle of Jericho, and the walls are falling apart, by the way. Stones are coming down, (laughs) dust is kind of flying up, and the Israelites are making all kinds of noise, and there's mayhem, and the people in Jericho, they're panicking, you know, and running this way and running that way, and kind of, you know, what do we do? The Israelites are here, and everything's falling apart. It says this, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And they all lived, what? Happily ever after, right? You know, it's not the last time we're going to hear about, hear about Rahab. Um, in the New Testament, if you've read it, you'll know her name appears there. And there's a spot in the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, it's like the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. But it's not about baseball. It's about faith. And it's got big names, big names of faith. Throughout that are there. There's Noah, you know Noah, the guy that built the ark, and there's Abraham who started kind of the whole Israelite thing, and there's Moses who parted the seas, and David who killed the who killed the giant, Samson killed the lion, you know, knocked down the temple, all that kind of stuff. And right up there with these heroes, it says this it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And she's right up there in light with Moses and with David, the name of an Amorite prostitute. God saved the prostitute. God saved because of her faith. And that's a theme that continues throughout the whole Bible. It's not good works that saves a person. It's their what? It's their faith. It's their belief. It's their trust. 
What happened to good old Rahab? Well, she got married, you know, dum, 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 believe it or not, to an Israelite, to a guy named Salmon. Salmon, you know, can you imagine Salmon? But anyway, um, they had a son, and they at least didn't name him Salmon Jr. They named him Boaz. And you're saying, wait a second, I think I've heard that name before. Boaz married someone named Ruth. And you're saying, I have heard that name before, because there's a book in the Bible written about her. Well, they had a kid, and the kid's named Obed. And Obed had a kid named Jesse, and Jesse had a kid named David. Remember him? Killed the giant. Became the greatest king of Israel of all time. Um, That's her great-great-grandson. And God made some promises to David, and he said, David, um, a descendant will come from you that will sit on the throne forever and ever. And you follow it down um, through the book of Matthew, and this Amorite prostitute became the ancestor of Jesus Christ. you believe that? Save the prostitute, save the world. See that? Francis Schaeffer asked the question, is it fitting that God should save such a person? And he answers and says it is most fitting. Because when we think of the prostitute, we need to think of ourselves. Um, We need to think of God working in our lives and that God works in the one. I don't live the right kind of life. And I was born on the right side of the tracks, okay? Okay. I border on trusting my walls more than I want to trust God sometimes. And what I love in this is that she didn't trust her good works. She didn't have any. She did not trust her walls, and she came to the conclusion that God is stronger than anything. He is Lord, and I will put my faith and my trust in that God, this God. And she hung a red cord out of her window, and she was saying, here I am. Help me. And I, and I, and I got to hang out something for God to say, help me. I can't save myself. Um, when I remember Ted, my friend that, that visited us last night, he was driving an old beat-up Toyota Corolla wagon, you know, back in Florida. And, and Ted's an entrepreneur. He's always had some scheme he's, he's cooking up. And, and, and I've shared with some of you about Ted because he's kind of, a legend in my, my, my mind just because he was so funny back then. I said he's going to either end up a millionaire or in prison, one of those two things, because he's always doing something, something kind of kind of schemy. Um, well, God touched his life, at least through the seeds that um, people had sown in his life. And several years after we had um, left Florida, those seeds began to sprout in his life. And he said, I, I've got to start giving my life to God. I've got to do something about this one. And um, do any of you remember the psychic hotline? Any of you remember that one? He started it. <laughs> and all of a sudden he realized, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? And so he drove back to that old church that we were all at together because God was kind of drawing him back there. And he began to look at the walls that he had constructed in his life and realized there was something much more he had to do. And he said, I I didn't want to make my commitment to God 
on the hood of my Toyota, so I waited until I got a Ferrari, and he did, you know. And he said I was sitting cross-legged on my Ferrari in the parking lot of that church. And I said, Jesus, I give it all to you, all to you. And, and you know, that's been a bunch of years ago, and he's been ups and downs in business, and he's done, he's done really well. And what he does is he continues to spread seeds throughout the world, you know, to missionaries, uh, to orphanages all around. Um, spread seeds where you go. And when you commit your life to him, God works. God does. He came to God and said, I can't, I can't save myself. Help me. And what Jesus does is he reaches up with hands the color of the cord that Rahab let out the window, scarlet red. And the hands would be his blood-stained hands because Jesus Christ at one point in time died for you on a cross. They put nails into those hands and the blood flowed red. Why? It's because you have done a sin in your life that you can't pay for. And it takes the death of someone to pay for it you can't pay for it yourself. Jesus Christ, God's son, came down and took the penalty and paid for it for you. So Jesus reaches up with the hands of the color of the cord, saves me from the crumbling walls of my life. It's a great chapter, isn't it? Why is it here? To show that faith is so critical for your life. To show that God cares for the one, and right now that one is you. And he wants to rescue and give new life, not just to the prostitute, but to you. In your program um, that you have here, as you you open it up and look, it says welcome. And right here, there's a thing. And one's a seeker's prayer and one's a decider's prayer. Seeker's prayer, just let me point that out to you, is maybe you're coming in saying, heck, before this morning, I didn't even believe in God. And all of a sudden, I'm now open to the fact that God could be there. Maybe you would want to pray the seeker's prayer. Maybe you're saying, I want to begin my journey of seeking after whatever the heck is out there. I'm going to walk out of my crumbling walls and just see. Or maybe you're ready to make a decider's prayer. Decider's prayer is when you're saying, I am deciding for myself today, right now, that I want to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior, as the one who died for me. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer and invite you to just bow your head, if you would, please, with me. If you're here this morning um, and you are ready to say the decider's prayer, to say to Jesus Christ, come into my life, forgive me for my sins. I'm tired of the crumbling walls of my life and the seeds that were sown a long time ago. Boy, they're coming up now and making sense to me. You're a God who loves and wants to be involved in my life. Here you go. Just in your heart, say these words. God, I believe Jesus Christ was who he claimed to be, your son. Then he proved it by rising from death. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. And I want to get to know you personally. Be filled with hope. As much as I know how, I'll accept your free gift of life and forgiveness.
Father, there are others that are praying prayers right now, realizing that even though they've already made a decision for Christ, they've climbed back up into their room and trusting in walls of their own lives and not in you. There's no safety in walls that we've made from our own hands. There's no security there. It's only going out the window with God. Lord, bless us as we scatter seeds for others. Help us as we seek to grow in our faith in you more and more. And God, thank you for your promise to walk with us no matter what. Thank you in Jesus' name. Hey, if any of those, you prayed any of those prayers, that's great. That's awesome. If you prayed the, the decider's prayer, we would love to know about it just to kind of celebrate with you and encourage you. And so mark the card if you would, please. There's a place for decider's prayer and for seeker's prayer and for a bunch of other stuff as well. Um, don't worry, we're not going to show up unannounced at your house or anything like that. We just want to kind of help you get going in this one. And if you do need prayer, there's going to be a prayer room open for you over there. just want people to pray with you. But... Uh, Hey, thanks, you guys, for coming. I invite you to stand with me right now, if you would. We're going to continue the story of Joshua next weekend. And we're going to finish with a final song. God bless. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the week. Thank you.